0: Our sermon scripture today, it's from John 16, 25 through 33. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask of the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father." His disciples said, "'Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God.' Jesus answered them, "'Do you now believe Behold, the hour is coming, indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. the word of the Lord. Thank Let's pray. Dear God, as we open your word here, open our hearts and minds. Give us the attentiveness we need. But most importantly, send your Holy Spirit to work in us the understanding and application of your word. Be with us, us, pastor and congregation, as we deal with the most powerful thing in this world, your word. This we pray, Father, in the name of your Son and our Savior, the one who gives us standing with you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Have you ever taken one of those uh, online personality tests or... Psychological profile type test, you know, list a few questions and you answer them. you ever done that in any of those? You would never admit it, would you? Yeah. You know, how, how daring are you or um, uh, whatever. I mean, just all of those different tests analyzing you. Well, I took uh, a schizophrenia test this week. <laughs> and uh, I think I passed. But you know the word schizophrenia is derived from two words that means split mind. And the actual part of the part of the definition speaks of a mentality characterized by an inconsistent and contradictory elements. Now I know that schizophrenia is it's a serious psychological condition. I know that. But in common terms, as we use the word commonly, I wonder if Christians live in kind of a schizophrenic condition. You ever feel that way? Like we, It's like we are living in the world. We try to live in the world, but we also try to live in the kingdom of God. And as we try to do that, We feel a little divided, we feel a little split, and it can be very frustrating, and it really can cause you to lose heart. And I don't know how you feel this morning, but maybe some of you have lost heart. In the midst of trying to be a Christian or trying to live in this world, maybe not a Christian and trying to live in this world, you've lost heart. Well, Jesus speaks to that. This morning, so turn to John 16. Now, certainly, all of the words of Scripture are significant, and all the words of Jesus are significant. But these words of Jesus, these are his final words to his disciples as they're as they're gathered there in the upper room. They're all together in the upper room, and. Very shortly, Jesus is going to go. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be crucified. He knows what's coming, and these are his final words to his disciples. So kind of significant, right? Now, chapter 17, which we're going to look at for the next three weeks, that's a prayer that Jesus makes. So really here at the end of chapter 16, these are his final words to his disciples as As they're gathered together. So what are his parting words? Jesus knows very well what he's going to be facing in the next few hours and days. And he also knows what his his disciples are going to be facing in the days ahead. He knows the disciples' weaknesses. He knows the strength of the world that is against them so knowing all of that what what will jesus choose to say in these final words but not only that jesus knows us he knows what we are facing he knows what we will be facing and so therefore in a very strange supernatural way through the work of the spirit these words are also intended for us even today so let me summarize his final message with 10 words and this is also your main idea uh, in your notes there 10 words take heart god loves you and has overcome the world take heart God loves you and has overcome the world take heart God loves you and has overcome the world now your initial reaction may be well yeah I mean I've been a Christian for a lot of years and I know that I mean I it's so simplistic it's kind of Christianity 101, so tell me, teach me something here that I don't know. And I'd say, well, really? Maybe we should slow down a little bit and say, do we really know that God loves us? And do we really know that He has overcome the world? And that may be the point of this passage. So, John 16, verses 25 to 33. Now, notice this little section, 25 to 33. Notice the opening and the closing. Look at verse 25. I have said these things to you. And then look at how it closes. Look at verse 33. I have said these things to you. So, Jesus is giving his disciples, including us, his final words, but he is also telling us Why? Why these words? Why these words? I have said these things to you for this. So in your notes, our outline reflects that as well. You see two times there. Number one, I have said these things to you, and we're calling the first point plain things. And then secondly, I have said these things to you, and we're calling that peace things. So Plain things and peace things. And now in between those two points, in between the opening and closing words of Jesus, there's this response from the disciples. That's going to be in between the two points, okay? So that's how we're going to go. So point number one, we're going to look at plain things. Plain things overcoming the confusion. Fill in the blank there. Overcoming the confusion. Now before Jesus is going to go off and die, He says this to his disciples. Verse 25. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech. But will tell you plainly about the Father. Now Jesus is admitting. That his words have not always been easy to understand. That he. Often spoke in parables and metaphors and figures of speech. And we know that. And and we know very well that the disciples kind of got confused concerning that, right? I mean, we've seen those situations where Jesus says something and the disciples, you can just kind of imagine it. The disciples are going, or, you know, the disciples look at each other. Jesus is talking and he says something and they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, what they're doing is looking, at and they're giving those side glances to each other, like, like, what is that? What's he saying? I mean, is he talking about? I mean, he's talking about a, a grain of wheat is going to go into the ground. I mean, is he? What? What's he saying there? I mean, he, now, 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 when he's talking about bread, is is he talking about real bread, or is he? What's he? And then, and now he, he says he's going to. He says he's going to go away. I mean, is he really going to go away? And, and, and in the previous passage we just saw, in a little while I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back. Like, okay, you're going to go away when and come back, right? And so we, we get that, don't we? get that confusion. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. Tuesday morning, the men's Bible study, we get together and we're going through John And we're in chapter 12, and as we go through the passage and talk about together, even though we have the Holy Spirit, and even though we know the whole story, we have the whole Bible, still we sit around together, smart guys that we are, and we go, now, what was Jesus saying here? What what exactly does he mean? Does he mean this, or does he mean that? So we get that. The things that Jesus is talking about are not easy to understand, and keep in mind here, that the, these disciples had no frame of reference for crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. They had no, we know that, we look back on the story, at this time, they didn't know that. I mean, that's, that's very confusing to them. I mean, they're thinking, well, how, now, how can this be? So, we know about Daniel, and we know about the Son of Man who's coming, we know about the Messiah who's coming, and we know that he's going to be a king, and we know that his kingdom is going to be forever, And it's never going to end, we know that. Now, if this is the king, he's going to be crucified and he's, uh, how does that work? Andrew mentioned last week, the disciples are just not going to understand the significance of the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension until it actually happens. They're just not going to get it until it happens. But what Jesus is saying here is, it's about to happen. My message will finally become plain because soon you are going to see my resurrection body. And soon you are going to see me ascend into heaven. And now it's going to become clear. Now it's going to become plain. Verse 26 is interesting look at look at verse 26 in that day you will ask in my name and I do not say to you that I will ask the father on your behalf interesting now this is not to say that Jesus stops being the mediator he is the mediator but Jesus is saying that after His pardoning work is done on the cross, we will have this free and direct access to the Father. Now, look at us, look what it goes on to say in verse 27 it says, For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, we have to get this. This is so important. It's not that the Father is up there as the big, high, and holy, and distant, and scary judge. And Jesus is down here as the good, loving, and kind, close friend. Okay? It's not that. And it's not that Jesus approaches the high and holy Father and he kind of tiptoes into the presence of God in our behalf and he comes into the presence of this holy and austere and distant God that if you have that any of that in your head, That he is up there distant and that Jesus is close and friendly. You need to get that out of your head because Jesus is clearly saying here, the Father himself loves you. He loves you. And if you believe in Jesus, and if you have love in your heart for God, then know that that love came from God, and that he loved you first. He loved you first. Everything that Jesus came on earth to do, every loving act that Jesus ever committed toward us, the love of God the Father was behind it. It's not like God the Father is the judge and Jesus is a loving one not that the love of the father is behind everything jesus is saying i have been speaking in figures of speech and i know that you have been confused about many things but now get this one plain thing get this the father himself loves you get this That behind this whole plan of salvation, behind what my life is all about, to come and to rescue and to heal and to redeem the world, behind all of that is his love toward you. Verse 28 then captures everything that Jesus was saying over and over again. In fact, if you went through and you read the Gospel of John, and especially these upper room discourses, you went through and you read it, you'd you'd hear those themes that he's saying over and over and over again, and here it's all captured in verse 28. Look at it. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. That's Jesus' message in a nutshell. That's what he wants us to know. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to it. And God so loved the world that he brought Jesus back to heaven to reign, and that's it. That's plain. That's what you need to know. Our confusion about so many things would be cleared up if we would understand and incorporate the reality of the unconditional love of God for us. That would just clear up so much for us. You say, I know God loves me. Yeah, don't, do we, I mean, don't we struggle with this? God will love me. As long as I have my act together. If I don't have my act together, then all of a sudden he's going, God will love me as long as I perform well. God will love me as long as my faith remains strong. No. God demonstrated his, Lord, his love toward us while we were still sinners. God loved you before you ever came to church one time. God loved you before you ever learned a memory verse. God loved you before you ever said a prayer. God loved you before you ever believed. God loved you before you ever did any kind act of service or obedience. Before any of that. Anything that you did didn't earn God's love and it doesn't keep you in God's love. Hard to grasp, isn't it? We know that God loves them. It's hard to grasp. Well, look at the next verses. Now we're coming to this. We're coming to the middle section. In between, in between point one and point two, this is the middle section. So fill in this blank. Overestimating ourselves. Overestimating ourselves. So we have overcoming the confusion. Now in between here we have overestimating ourselves. Now in verses 29 to 30, the disciples now are responding to Jesus' words that he's just said. And they respond by saying, oh, now we get it. Now we understand what you've been saying, Jesus. Now we understand how you could answer our questions even before we ask them. Now we get it. Now we understand, Jesus, that you really did come from the Father. So the disciples are saying, We believe. Our faith is finally strong. We're finally getting it together. And Jesus responds with, Oh, really? Verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each of you to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. The disciples believe. The disciples' faith is finally strong. The disciples are finally going to be faithful followers, well, until they fall asleep in the garden after only one hour. Well until the soldiers come into the garden and it starts to get a little dicey here and maybe we better not stick around. Well their faith is is firm until someone comes along and says, "Well you're one of him one of them, aren't you? Don't don't you belong to him? Aren't you a follower?" As soon as the pressure of the world starts pressing us in, we get this to don't we? <clears throat> we think our faith we think our faith is strong until the rooster crows. And the rooster crows, doesn't it? We believe until we doubt. We're strong until we're weak. So the disciples would scatter. They would run and they would, and they would hide in their own homes. And we go, What? No, we don't go, what? We get that. We, we know this. We know this. We know about the world. We know what it's like to live in the big, bad, pressure-filled, demanding world that, 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 that squeezes and, and misshapes our faith. We get that. And we know what it's like to go in, into the world strong and firm, and all of a sudden we fall flat on our face and we fail. We get that. And what do we do? We go to our homes. We retreat. We hide, don't we, in our comfort zones, in our safe zones, and in our risk-free zones, and in our no-demand zones, and in our easy zones. That's where we are, and that's where we like it. It's so easy for us, isn't it, as Christians? It's so easy to just lose heart. Because the world against me is strong, and my faith within me is weak, and God doesn't love me because I just keep messing up, and so we can just be overcome by the battle of being in the world, or we can be overcome by not being in the battle at all. But in either case, it's easy to be overcome. So, where does that leave us then? I mean, on this roller coaster Christian life that we have, and sometimes we're strong and sometimes we're weak, and, we, and we're always messing up, and we're just like these disciples, and where does that leave us? Well, where did that leave the disciples? Where did, where did Jesus leave the disciples after saying, You know, you're all gonna scatter? Jesus says to his disciples, knowing that they're going to scatter. He says, stay in your homes, losers. Stay there. Come back when you have real faith. But don't come back until you got it together. Is that what he says? No. What's he say? Verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Point two, peace things. Overcoming the world. Overcoming the world. Scattering? Yes. Denials? Yes. Floundering faith? Yes. Running away? Yes. Doubting God's love? Yes. Stumbling and bumbling around as Christians and as a church? Yes. But verse 33 is for us. It is for very imperfect Christians. It is for Christians who can barely hold on and barely get their act together. And it is for a very imperfect community. These final words, they are power. Man, they are power. And these final words that Jesus gives to his disciples in the upper room, they're so encouraging. And yet... Jesus just doesn't color it all in with flowers and sugarcoat it. He he does tell it the way it is. This is how it is, and this is how it's going to be. The world, this is what it's like. And Jesus lays out two spheres. There's the, and look at the language there, there's the in me, okay, verse 33, there's the in me sphere, this is the. In Jesus sphere all right in me and then there is the in the world sphere so the in Jesus sphere and the in the world sphere now if you're a follower of Jesus then which sphere do you choose don't say in me you don't get to choose you don't choose If you're a follower of Jesus, you are in the world and you are in Jesus. You're in both. How schizophrenic is that? Huh? No wonder we struggle. And that really is the point that Jesus is making here. In his final words to his disciples when he's going to go away and leave them in the world. Pretty good words, huh? And he leaves us in the world. And here we are. In a world that's fallen and sinful and crooked and broken and cold and harsh and demanding and painful and cruel and unjust and dark and hurting and spinning out of control. Here we are. And all of those words could be put together under this word the tribulation of the world, plus, and maybe more to the point here, for Christians, even persecution, even people not understanding you as a Christian, we live in the world. And it threatens to undo us. And yet Jesus' closing words are, Not, oh boy, how are you ever going to do that? Yeah, it's a bad place. His words are, take heart. Don't lose heart. Take heart. Don't be overwhelmed. Be of good courage. Why? Because right in the middle of it all, right in the middle of that mess, right in the middle of the tribulation is... Something that the world could never, ever understand, right in the middle of it all, is what? Peace. I'm from Kansas, and I know about tornadoes. And uh, tornadoes are vicious. And you've seen tornadoes, I've seen a million of them. And um, it actually was in Greensburg, Kansas, in 1928, a guy named Will Keller. And he's one of the few people, actually the only two people on record, he's one of them. 1928, Greensburg, Kansas. My father used to live there. There was a tornado, and he has this, he goes on record of having basically been in the eye of the tornado. He tells this story, and this family was going down into the shelter, and he went back up for one more thing, and he describes what took place And he calls it the, we call it the eye of the tornado. Actually, more accurately, it is the weak echo region of the tornado. And he describes it as, he described it as everything was strangely calm. Everything was strangely calm in the middle of everything that was going on around. Debris is flying around us everywhere in the world and jesus says in me there is peace why because that's who jesus is and because that's what jesus came to do and because that was that was the heaven ordained mission for the world in jesus isaiah prophesied that there is one who is going to come, Jesus, and he will be called the Prince of Peace, and the peace of his kingdom will never end. And Micah prophesied that he will be our peace. And at Jesus' birth, the angels announced peace on earth, and at Jesus' triumphal entry, the people proclaimed peace in heaven, and now here Jesus is about ready to to enter into his dark days, and he says, in me you have peace. It's in me. The peace in heaven planned for the world, here it is. You say, yeah, but but hasn't, hasn't the evil, hasn't the evil of the world, hasn't it overcome the peace? Hasn't the evil in the world, hasn't it overcome the peace? yes it has but what's jesus say but i've overcome the world i've overcome the world jesus would take every peace killing sin jesus would take every peace killing trouble every threat every tribulation every evil force Jesus would take every offense against the peace of God. He would take all of that, and he would put it on himself. And he would pay the penalty. And in his death and his resurrection, he would overcome all of that. He would overcome the world. Peace. Victory. And we live in that. We live in that. His victory is our victory. It's not my strength, it's his. It's not my works, it's his. It's not my overcoming, it's his. As I reflected on this verse this week, there were two people who came to my mind. And they're both friends of mine. One was a young woman who was sexually abused for over 10 years. The other was an older man who had been a sexual abuser himself for many years. Surely, those two people are full-fledged citizens of this world and its brokenness, don't you think? So what do we say to either one? If these words of Jesus cannot be directed to each one of them, then there's no hope. There's no hope for them and there's no hope for us. But there is hope. Because these are the very words of God. Ten words. Take heart. God loves you and has overcome the world. Let's pray. Words on a page, Lord. Words on a page. We have read it and read it and read it again. We've used it and talked it and memorized it. Spirit of God, would you take those words? Would you work them? Would you massage them deep into our hearts so that we live as if you love us, and you genuinely have overcome everything that is against us. You've overcome the world. Lord, would you give us the belief to lay hold of this truth that we need, even today? And Lord, for those who are outside of you, maybe they don't know what to believe. Lord, would you come to them and cause them to see that these words are true, that when you came, you came and you've overcome the world? Praise be to you. Amen.